Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hi, I'm Trisha Yearwood, and you're tuned to Furniture Today's On the Record podcast with Bill McLaughlin. Before we turn to Bill and his guests, I just want to give a shout out to the entire Furniture Today team and remind you that when there's something exciting to announce, you'll read about it first in Furniture Today. And now, here's Bill McLaughlin and On the Record. Hi, I'm Tom Russell, and I am here with Hal Slaughter. We're senior editors here at Furniture Today, and I'd like to welcome everybody to this week's edition of The Homefront, our podcast that is running on the On the Record platform. Um, I, I hope that uh, you all can hear us clearly and uh, always appreciate your taking time out of your busy schedules to, to stay tuned. Pal, how's it going? Pretty good. We're um, you know just kind of wrapping up the market and um, you know looking at what's going to be coming ahead in the next few weeks, um, following what's going on with this first Tuesday movement. But um, just really, you know, glad to have. Um, I'm I'm real interested to talk to Dallas today because, you know, um, they took over a what's one of the landmark showrooms in High Point, and um, you know, Christopher Guy, of course, was there. But they've got a worthy luxury brand successor in that in that space. Um, you know, it's a high profile, high visibility spot in High Point. So I'm I'm real glad to see Dallas. Yeah, yeah, and and Dallas George um, again for folks that do not know Jet Dallas, I know that many of you listening do know Dallas um, from his previous life at uh, about eleven years or so at Pulaski, and before that Lexington, and before that Thomasville. So an industry veteran indeed, but now Dallas is serving as managing director for the USA for luxury furniture brand Eichholz. Welcome, Dallas. Um, it is great, like Powell said, it's great to have you on our program this week. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you, uh, Powell, for <clears throat> inviting me over. It's been uh, quite the, uh, just we've had just a great time over the last couple of months putting this program together. Indeed. And, you know, I think Powell and I were talking each market, we try to kind of hit showrooms that either we haven't been to in a while or it's our first time because they're so new. And I think Eichholz is, is certainly an example of that. I, I, I just got to see you guys for the first time this past October market and, and was glad to do so because I think both of us uh, have been in that building before when it was Christopher Guy. And it makes a statement, um, just not just due to its exterior, but also the presentation inside. Um, I think you folks have kind of upheld the standard, you know, for that building. It seems oh, like it is a beautiful facility. Uh, we were real proud to get that facility. It came available, I guess, about a, uh, a year ago this past summer. And Eichholz, prior to that, if you remember, Tom and Pyle were showing at the Inner Hall uh, pro- uh, program for about three markets. Yeah, coming over, and uh, their space was about well, it was about as large as your automobile. <laughs> <laughs> They probably had more square footage inside, including your glove compartment, than they did showing. And uh, they had a lot of fun. They met a lot of nice people. And they were just waiting for the opportunity to expand in the U.S. because uh, they're so well-known and positioned in Europe and and not really known very well in the U.S. right now. 
So when this building came available, they jumped on with both feet. So they went from about maybe 500 square feet to 20,000 square feet with the Christmas showroom. And it is the jewel of uh, Hamilton Street. It's just a pleasure to work in there. And I think the product line supports the building and the building supports the product line, as I think you you saw when you visited us. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in there next market. Tom and I were spread pretty thin. We're, we try not to do a whole lot of duplication at, at single markets, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing um, the full line. I did see these, you know, the presentation in Inner Hall and yeah, you guys, you will get, you all are a global brand. We really are. This this really gives you the presence, the stage to you know present that brand in the U.S. market. I, I'm really interested to know this is this is a um, luxury furniture brand around the world. You um, came in. This is helping. This building is helping you make a big brand statement, pushing the U.S. market. What a no. Obviously, this has been a strange time to be launching a brand or, or <laughs> expanding a brand in the U.S. market. And I was wondering if you could share with our listeners some of your experience there and so, some of the particular challenges that came up and how you're dealing with that, how things are going on. That oh, well, well, I'm glad you asked, pal, because uh, they brought me on uh, actually right after the April market. I started just actually the first of June and they have a, they have a really a very creative team over in Amsterdam that puts the showrooms together. The first showroom for this building was last October market. So they brought a whole crew over to set it all up and it looked like a million dollars. But now with COVID, as you said, this has been a strange year with COVID, they can't bring any, they couldn't bring anybody over to set the showroom up. So I get the phone call like around August saying, guess what? We can't, we can't make it. I said, can't make what? They said, we can't go over, put the showroom together. I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So we jumped in and, and pulled a lot of people that I'd worked with over the years. And uh, they came over and we were able to pull this thing together. But it's been, been very much a, a challenge, a positive one, a lot of fun, putting something like this together with such magnitude uh, without the ability of having the, the crack team over here to put it together. You know, the A team, I should say. Uh, so that's that's been a lot of fun, and it came together very very nicely. I mean, were there a lot of virtual walkthroughs as the showroom came together between um, uh, between you and the Netherlands? Yeah, this technology helped a lot, and then we had uh, Barbara Spangle and Christy Spangle, and her her team came over and did the installation. And I've had worked with them and with my Plasky days for oh, about maybe nine or ten years. So I had I had the team in line. And it became quite apparent that they were very capable. Then after about one or two, well, actually just after one and a half walkthroughs with Amsterdam, uh, about halfway through the installation, they said, you got the ball. You guys, just finish it up. And, uh, and it worked out really well because it gave us a little bit more creative licensing to do what we thought was necessary. And uh, I think, Tom, you saw the results. Pretty, pretty spectacular showroom. Indeed, indeed. And um, certainly from from top to bottom, you know, we were talking about how many mirrors. Oh, my gosh. Were put up there. What was the How many did you say again? We hung over 140 mirrors in three days. Oh, and one gentleman hung them all. And he he's unbelievable. There's quite the quite the feat. But the, the, the lighting, the rugs, the accessories, yeah. those yeah, heavy. Candle candle pieces, and I mean, this stuff is very substantial. 
Well, we're whole, we're whole home. And that's, that's the difference. It wasn't just bringing in props. I mean, everything, everything in the showroom, everything from the rugs to the chandeliers. And we're really uh, in Europe, we sell as much lighting as we do anything else. Um, so we were big in lighting. We're big in clustering the chandeliers where they make a statement in just about every room. You saw it in the, in the living room areas, uh, the kitchen areas, in, in even bathrooms. So they're, they're huge in lighting. And, and then also we have uh, lamps and top of table, floor lamps. So I can mention rugs, top of table uh, accessories. So it is a brand that's embraced the whole home as opposed to a pretty showroom with, with case goods and some upholstery. Uh, so that's, that seems to set us apart. So you can do a, you know, a whole home presentation in any size store. It can be a smaller uh, boutique type store or a big box player that really wants to make a statement in a major way as an umbrella brand. And it's affordable. It, we, they, they position themselves in Europe as Europe's number one affordable luxury brand. Mm. And when we say luxury, it means that it's not let's say aspirational in luxury where you're saying, gee, I wish someday I could own a piece of eye holes. That's not the game. The game is that's very affordable, but the value is uh, quite there. The, the attention to detail, everything from the metalwork to the, to the uh, tailoring and the upholstery. Uh, yet it's not at a nosebleed price point. I think our dealers and our designers saw that at this market. Dallas, this is very interesting. Um, Tell us a little bit, uh, we know you've been in the industry for many years, and tell us just a little bit about your background for, for our listeners that don't know your whole story in the industry. Just in a nutshell, tell us um, kind of where you started in the industry and uh, where you were kind of in between and how that's helped position you for this important role that you're in now. Well, well thanks, Tom. Yes, uh, I started really uh, with Thomasville Furniture Industries, and I was very fortunate to start out actually right off the college campus. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Fred Starr was the driving force in those years, as in the mid mid eighties, in driving Thomasville to basically open distribution where everybody had the line to getting more selective into galleries, and then from galleries we grew into larger galleries, and ultimately larger galleries into freestanding Thomasville stores. And uh, that was a tremendous ride. A lot of experience there with you know, design work, with store layouts, with product of, product development, product assortment, and merchandising. So with that experience over the many years that I had with Thomasville, I was fortunate to then move on to Lexington and pretty much did the same thing there. Uh, helped them grow their open distribution to a more narrowed gallery format. And then from galleries, we ventured out into Lexington stores. We had one in Temecula, California, and then we launched one at the Mall of Georgia in uh, right outside of Atlanta. <clears throat> and then and then not too long after that, I was given the opportunity to jump over to, to the Plasky side. That was before Home Meridian became a part of our organization and uh, worked with Plasky, I think, for the last 12 or 13 years. And uh, uh, some great people in all all three organizations that I've worked for, Thomasville, Lexington, and Pulaski, and Home Meridian, I've, I've been blessed with just, you know, really good, solid management that, that would, I've, I've always learned along the way. And so the, the opportunity then, fast forward, to move on to uh, iHolds was just perfect because they needed somebody that had brand experience. I mean, we had brand experience going back with, uh, uh, let's say, uh, oh, the... Um, um, Tommy Bahama with Lexington and all the brands that they had. 
and then the Bogart collection with Thomasville and the Hemingway collection. I mean, these are, these are brands within a brand. So we've had brand experience, we've had store experience, we've had gallery experiences. And then my last experience with, uh, with Pulaski was the eccentric home division, which we put together pop-up shops, which was a basically another gallery format, uh, but we call it a pop-up shop instead of a gallery. And so then moving on to iColts, it's pretty much the same way. It's a brand experience. It's whole home. It also gives us an opportunity to knock on doors and set up what I call now shop in a shops where they're basically a gallery format, but it's done in a, in a confined area. And now it's whole home. So we can decorate the whole part of that store into a, to a platform that is absolutely stunning, just like our showroom at, at the, on Hamilton street. So if a big box player or a boutique player wants to be really all encompassing, we have the wherewithal, the tools and, and the ability to pull that together for, for a dealer or for, for a design team or for to the trade showroom. And I think, I think, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to take what I've learned in the past, reformulate it and make it relevant today. Because the way I look at it, there's so many key brands that were top of the line brands that are no longer available today. I mean, you're talking Thomasville, um, Drexel, uh, Pennsylvania House, Bro Hill, even at the lower end. I mean, those are powerful brands at one time that are just kind of, they disappeared. And no one has really stepped up to fill the bill, even Hinderdock. So I think this is a unique opportunity to have a brand that has European styling that's very well entrenched in Europe uh, kind of hit the U.S. market. It'd be very exciting. Yeah, one of the things you're, uh, you're approaching a lot of new customers now. Uh, and right these days, uh, what we're hearing about a lot is service. When can you get it to me? What do you have available in the next few weeks? Uh, how how are, how is Eichel's positioned as far as the service aspect of this, and what kind of conversations were you having with potential customers and uh, about that about that part of the business? Well, it's a huge huge part of the business, especially now with uh, with COVID hitting and so many consumers spending um, a time at home uh, more than they ever expected ever in their life with their families and being uh, kind of sequestered. And when when iColts made the commitment for the U.S. It was hypercritical that they made a huge commitment in warehousing and, and warehouse space and inventory. And so we brought in a, a partner of ours up in a warehouse right outside of the, the Greensboro Airport, which is a brand new facility. It's just fabulous. And we now have over, I just counted uh, yesterday, we have 2,044 SKUs warehouse locally of which we consider this a quick ship program. And since we, I took my last two containers in uh, the 15th of July, uh, we're well stocked when, when the, the industry for the most part is finding themselves out of stock. At least that's what we heard at pre-market and market. So, um, and also the other advantage that we had is, is um, my partners in Amsterdam, you know, the IELTS management team, they've always been uh, what they would consider um, inventory heavy. They've always felt that it was important to have inventory. So they went into COVID um, not canceling orders that were in the pipeline, but just hung tight. And they just absorbed a lot of it as opposed to bailing and canceling and readjusting. So their partners are, are happy with them. And our, invent, our, 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 our flow, our inventory flow has not been interrupted. In fact, we were able to fill my warehouse up significantly so for now, we're in very good shape. And I think that was 
perceived by customers coming into this market and being really kind of shocked that we're a local right up the road and B we had inventory and C they liked the inventory that we were showing them. So, so yeah, so it couldn't have been a better time to launch. As you mentioned, this is a crazy time that we're in, but uh, it, it provides opportunities and it's been quite exciting. Well, that was something, wasn't it? This is Trisha again for Klausner Home Furnishings. From my very first collection, I knew I'd come to the right place, that Klausner understood what I wanted to do with my furniture, how I wanted to share my recipe for comfortable living with the world. Now let's get back to Bill McLaughlin and see what he and his guests have to share with us. You know, one thing it's, that's interesting, and that is certainly a good position for anyone to be in, and, and it sounds like it's going to serve you well um, in the weeks and months ahead as we uh, continue in this environment for heavy demand and um, just great anticipation of getting product on the floor. Um, but what I'm, what I'm curious about, too, is, you know, when you think about um, you were telling me, explaining to me that one of the shows that my um, house is at, typically, it's I guess one of their main shows is um, Maison Auger. And it's interesting because, you know, at the and Powell, I think you'd probably hear this, too, at the uh, upper middle to upper end, when when people can travel, that is, I mean, that is the place they go for inspiration. You folks are there. Um, you've got a, a pretty good audience. Do you also show in Milan as well? We do. We do. They They've had a, a rich history of showing in a significant number of European shows. They call them fairs. We would call them markets. Yeah. They call them fairs or shows. In fact, they just hosted one at their corporate headquarters right outside of Amsterdam about three weeks before our market. Mm-hmm. They invited their top, uh, basically their top 100 or so European clients to come in. They hosted for about a week's time. And um, if you have an opportunity to go over to see them, Powell and, and Tom, you should, because their showroom and warehouse is in a beautiful area right outside of Amsterdam. It's in the middle of the tulip farms. Oh, wow. and They have literally a thousand acres in front of their facility uh, that's full of tulips. Oh, it sounds gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And their, their facility has a, a unbelievable um, a cafe or a cafeteria, not even a cafeteria, but a dining hall that's elevated and with a beautiful pat- patio that overlooks the, the <laughs> vestige of the, of the tulips. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Great place. Well, the, the reason I bring up these the fairs that we were talking about the other day um, at the showroom was, you know, there's, there's obviously a, um, a European um, aesthetic and design, I think, to the product from my my overall impressions. And I was curious to the reception. Um, have you had to make any modifications in the line to get any general acceptance in, in the U.S. market up to this point? Well, you would you would think so. But what's happened is the line is fairly clean in terms of clean European lines, but not so European that it's that it that it turns people off. Mm-hmm. The, the, the styling is such that I think that's where the American market is starting to move towards in more of a more of a rapid way. It's getting cleaner. It's getting more more casual. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's kind of where we're at now. So from our design standpoint, we seem to be hitting the U.S. market right at a perfect time where people are moving towards us. But we're already there. And I think that was validated certainly at this market with so many of our design teams coming through there. 
and recognizing that, boy, we do look different and we're different in a, in a very positive way as opposed to being different for different sake. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think the U.S. market with uh, some of the upper end manufacturers are moving towards where we currently are and have been for, you know, probably the last couple of years. So it took time for the U.S. market to move in that direction. And we're seeing the results that it seems to be doing just that. Yeah, well, I know even, um, even once you get to the upper middle in that area, the, the styles are go- going cleaner, yep. contemporary, um, not, not necessarily straight contemporary, but, but definitely a more minimalist look. Um, and that's, that's true, I know, for upholstery. And I think, I've, I think we've seen the same thing in case goods, Tom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we recognize that in the upholstery, especially, I think more so in the upholstery because cases have been getting quite clean over the last eight years, really. <clears throat> but the upholstery, U.S. upholstery still had the puffiness to it, kind of a, for lack of a better word, a little bit of that Bubba feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's getting more, more streamlined, more sophisticated. And the Europeans have been there for quite some time. I mean, a long time. And so in, not too many years ago, it was, it was so different that it was objectionable for the U.S. market, but it's certainly, certainly they're merging together quite nicely now. You know, one thing I've seen with some of the European upholstery brands is that they, they're maintaining that very clean, minimalist look, but with a with kind of a, I guess what we'll call an American comfort level. Right. Yeah, you know, some, <clears throat> some, ch- some tweaks to the cushioning to give a little bit more plushness than you might find at, say, the Cologne show or Milan. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's a combination where the Europeans are getting a little bit more comfortable with the softer seat. <laughs> okay. And the U.S. is be, is moving a little bit more towards a, I wouldn't say firm, but but less less fall into and and get totally embellished in it. Right. And uh, and that seems to be where where the industry is right now at the upper end, at least. Okay. And uh, and the and and as you can accomplish both the the styling, the sophistication, the sleekness of the styling, and add the comfort without absolutely getting too puffy. Um, for lack of a better word, <laughs> but without getting too cushiony and too soft, uh, then you kind of have a home run. Yeah. Sounds like it. And you know what I noticed on the wood side too? Um, so what you're describing Dallas is a very livable sort of luxury, a livable aesthetic. Very much so. Um, but I also saw, I also noticed that on the wood side too, because I always appreciate, um, I, I like this sort of casual, livable wood furniture. And while it can be very sophisticated and design-driven, um, people, there's, there's sort of a comfort level, it seems like, when people can kind of see and feel some of the texture of the wood grains. I know you had a lot of, I think there was a lot of oak yes. in the showroom, if I'm not, if my memory serves me correct. So this livable aesthetic seems right where the market is too. Yeah, very much so. The um, actually the attention to detail in the veneer work was exceptional, and also the metal work that would dovetail in with some of the wood pieces. The mixed medium that they used is pretty pretty exciting. The the detail you saw the one cabinet where it looked three dimensional uh, with the way the veneer was working, the pattern yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's concave. We had uh, several pieces that were just so well executed. And then also on the flip side, it looks like it was it was jetting out like a like a pyramidal design, and you know that just takes attention to detail 
it's, it's what it really takes. And then the, the metalwork is, is exquisite. So it is affordable, meaning it's, it's, you can see the difference in, in the quality, the value. I say it's a value because you can have things that are very expensive that aren't really a value. And you can have things that are very inexpensive that certainly aren't a value either. Mm-hmm. So it's a value driven, affordable luxury brand. And that kind of says it all. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny too. Hal and I sometimes joke with our, business stories every, every, not only every six months, but in, add in a Las Vegas market and you have four times a year. And on the wood side, anyway, we're always talking about mixed media and it always feels so redundant. Like it's like, we're just discovering it for the first time and writing about it, but it, it is relevant though. I mean, no matter what way you look at it, whether it's metal or glass or leather, you know, tooled leather, fabric, Uncased goods. Um, I mean, the works. It, and but it seems like it's all there with with eye holes from what I could gather. Uh, very much so. I mean, it's a fun line and it's a broad line. I mean, there's a there's a lot of a lot to offer within within the uh, in those walls that we have on Hamilton Street. Speaking of mixed media, your next big category is going to be outdoor. Yes which we talked about as well. And we have a story going in on that subject. Um, tell us just a little bit about, about how that's the next natural evolution for iHalt. Sure. I, th- I think you're seeing is basically not only iHalt, but it's basically the industry is just taking that opportunity to grow outdoor and have, has been for quite some time for the last five or seven years, mm-hmm. but the opportunity to get high style and, and quality and the, the folks that expect that, to, to last in their environments. They're basically taking the interior to the outside. And some of the styling that we have on the drawing boards and the styling that we shared with you just the other day, uh, it's very exciting, especially with this, you know, the luxury of the umbrella fabrics and the texturing and, and the durability of it all. <clears throat> and the styling, I mean, I think this, the styling in outdoor today has been outstanding. And we certainly are style leaders. Uh, we certainly don't copy anybody at all. And that's how we built the brand. That, not me, it's how the company built its brand over the last 30, 35 years. And, uh, and I think you'll see that. I think you did see that with our outdoor that we'll be launching in the, uh, actually we'll be shipping this for the first quarter and then coming back in the April market and having more introductions from there. If you're shipping in the first quarter, then that was an obvious commitment on the part of iHolts to dive right into it. Yes, yes. And, and that's another th- something that I need to share with you. You know, my previous lives with my other companies, the high point market was always the market to validate product. We'd come out with X amount of introductions and, and then so many would make it, you know, we'd go into production and then so many would not. And then you'd have to wait six to nine months to get production made. Well, the high point market, both in October and April, are not the primary markets for eye holes. The Paris show is, the Maison Objet show is. And so um, what happens is they introduce groups at that time and then they validate it and put their best production or their best choices into production just in time for our market, mm-hmm. our April or October market. And so I, I have photography all set. I have production already made. I have stuff already in the warehouse or within 30 days of, of being in the warehouse at any one given market. And so you know, it, the the choice to get into outdoor was made not because of the necessarily the U.S. market, 
US, I mean, the, our market, our high point market, but the, the, uh, the Paris markets before that. It's an advantage for our dealers coming to see us at market because what they see, they can actually get. They don't have to worry about, gee, if I commit to this, will you tell me three weeks, four weeks, five weeks later that it's not going to be made? Or if we do make it, are you going to tell me you can't get it coming out of an October market until, let's say, uh, June or July? Or coming out of an April market, not getting it before Thanksgiving or by the end of the year? You know, while we're talking about the timing of product introductions and you know when retailers see things, I don't know if you've um, been keeping up with what we've been reporting on this first Tuesday initiative at High Point. Um, this would, uh, and you guys are kind of, you know, it's an international company, but you're local here. Yeah. And I was wondering if um, y'all had any interest in, in participating in that, just as a way to maintain contact with customers and. Um, you know, show, keep showing new products continuously. Well, we, we plan and we are open. Um, I'm maintaining my office out of the showroom mm-hmm. and our, our staff is staffed at the office at the showroom. And so we're maintaining the showroom in its integrity year round. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike previous uh, companies where you right after the day after market ends, the, all the, new stuff is blown up and taken right out to photography. Everybody races to the studios because you want to get first in line for production. So you can mm-hmm. get your photography done. Well, that's all done for me. So the product stays put showrooms in, in immaculate shape. And so we're hosting design teams in uh, special dealers that want to fly up and take another look at the market, especially in light of COVID. Uh, a lot of folks chose to come at pre-market and some of them even passed on this market. So we're hosting a, you know, a round robin of key retailers to fly them in, have, have a private, private viewing of the line and really get comfortable with who we are and what we're capable of doing. Have a little bit more time for conversation in that kind of environment too. So yeah. Yeah. at least with the masks on, you can hear somebody. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dallas, this has been great. I'd, I'd like to just give you the opportunity um, that we know there's a lot to look forward to uh, that we were looking forward to seeing at iHalt. And um, in closing, um, what would you say would be the kind of either greatest challenge or and or opportunity that the company faces now that you're situated here, you've got a firm presence, showroom, warehousing, you know, personnel. Um, how would you respond to that? Well, I think I think the the exciting part of it is just what the upside opportunity looks for this company and also also for the industry right now as we come in and out of COVID. And this line, as I see it, is a well-established line that is just really well received in Europe that is just begging to be, to be shown and displayed and embraced in the U S because as you saw our showroom, that we have the capability to just bring that along to, to make the presentation look just like a million dollars. And I think that's, that's a big part of, of who we are being a brand driven and an affordable brand and not necessarily aspirational to be shown, I mean, to, to be, have a presence at retail. Uh, we have a strong design business. Uh, designers love us, and that's great. But we also have that opportunity to take it to that next level where you have a, a brick-and-mortar presence. You actually have, you have you know, the ambiance of being immersed in this environment that is very exciting, especially the lighting makes all the difference in the world. 
the lighting with the cluster chandeliers that you saw in the showroom and all the up lighting with the, with the top of table lamps and just the creativity that goes into the lighting atmosphere. Plus from a retail standpoint, that's all return per square foot. I mean, we're taking return per square air. I mean, we're above the ground. We're above the floor. It's almost like return per ceiling uh, in addition to the return per square foot. So it becomes a very profitable proposition for our retailers who are looking for that upscale step-up opportunity that's attainable and that's affordable and then also embellishes and raises the, the, the comfort level of their whole store. I like to think about it as, you know, are you, Mr. Retailer, positioned to sell the doctors and lawyers and the Indian chiefs who have bought from you for so many other purposes, second bedrooms, second homes, but for their own personal needs, are you, do you have that opportunity? Are you presenting that? Or have you fallen into the, to the position of downsizing your merchandising over the last several years? Is it time now to kind of step up a little bit? And I think that answers, you know, that's the fun part of it. I think we have a big upside opportunity to explore that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it certainly does seem like a retailer showroom for sure, because of all those opportunities and selling opportunities that they can envision when they, when they step inside and see top to bottom what you have. So um, again, um, listeners, um, you've been uh, hearing some perspective from Dallas George, managing director for the USA market for iHome. Again, Dallas, Thank you so much for being our guest on the home front this week. Pal and I both have enjoyed speaking with you and, and we wish you the best going forward. Looking forward to seeing what, what's next for iHolt. Well, well, thank you, Tom. And thank you, pal. And thank you for the time you've given me today. I've really appreciated it. And I've enjoyed this. This is fun. Yeah. It's great catching up with you again. Same here. All right. Well, you guys. All right. Thanks again. You've all been listening to the home front at Furniture Today's on the record. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time.